Hi, my name is Andrew Bolton, and this is the Pros and Content Podcast. I'm the Chief Client Officer here at Notch, and on the Pros and Content Podcast, we'll be featuring a series of truly remarkable content leaders who believe in storytelling and who have different perspectives on the importance of measurement, scalability, and the optimization of content. Our guest today is Wiley Kane, the Head of Brand Marketing for American Century Investments. American Century stands above other private asset managers thanks to its commitment to fighting for the greater good. They dedicate 40% of their profits directly to funding cures for gene-based diseases. This altruism directs all of Wiley's work. She believes in telling compelling, credible stories that spark positive action, helping American Century differentiate itself in the increasingly competitive asset management space. As she mentions, if you don't have a stake in the ground about who you are, you risk being overlooked. We hope you enjoy this episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Pros and Content Podcast. I'm here with Wiley Kane, who is the head of brand marketing at American Century Investments. Welcome to the show, Wiley. Thanks so much. It's great to be here. Very excited to have you on today. Um, we'll get into it more a little bit later, but American Century uh, has a really interesting story um, and really want to hear your take on it. Um, before we get there, though, we'd love to hear a little bit about your background. Um, what was your journey um, to your present role? Um, and I know that you made that switch, um, which I feel like a lot of uh, content and brand folks have done going from the agency side to the brand side. So I'd love to hear a little bit about that. Thanks so much. I, um, you know, I spent the majority of my career on the advertising agency side, as you mentioned, um, about 20 years, which I guess ages me a little bit. Um, but I made the jump to, to client side um, back in 2014. Uh, when I joined E-Trade. Um, and I actually went to work with a former colleague of mine from the agency side who'd already made that switch. Um, I think, you know, I, I hadn't really thought much about client-side marketing until uh, the two, uh, two clients that I worked on sort of at the end of my agency career, which were Procter & Gamble and General Mills. And they treated their agency partners more like business partners. And I'd had great relationships before with my clients, but I hadn't been involved in sort of the internal business conversations that I got exposure to when I was working for those brands. So we, you know, I was at the table when we were talking about new product development and profit margins and distribution strategies and things like that, that uh, made me realize that advertising um, is, you know, a piece of the pie, but it's in service of a much mm -hmm. bigger piece. Um, and that just interested me a lot more. So it was the reason why I made the switch. So I, I worked at E-Trade um, and then I made the switch over to Oppenheimer Funds. Um, uh, for a couple of years. Um, and after that was uh, acquired by Invesco, uh, I ended up um, going to American Century, which is where I've been for the past couple of months, um, which has been a, a fantastic uh, experience thus far. So curious, you mentioned that uh, your last two experiences on the agency side were mainly in CPG with P&G and, and, and uh, General Mills, you mentioned. What was it when you went to the brand side that made you want to get into financial services? Because that was a bit of a jump, I'm sure. It, it was a bit of a jump. Um, you know, E-Trade is sort of a, it, I guess it's a jump, but it's a soft landing because um, they're certainly um, a, a different kind of financial services company. One who clearly believes very strongly in brand and the, and the role that brand plays in driving business. Um, so in that regard, it wasn't too too difficult. I think the other thing is that that is where my former colleague was. Um, and so that is the call. I wasn't looking to move to client side. Um, it just happened to be a phone call I got and it intrigued me. And then the other thing I'll say is that our whole team uh, within e -Trade, the E-Trade marketing department were ex-agency folks. So I was in, I was in good company. Interesting. It's almost like an agency within the brand then. 
it it did feel like that. Yes, I mean we had very strong agency partnerships, um, but but we uh, we had it in our blood for sure. And then when you made the switch uh, or you know came to American Century, what were some of the things that intrigued you or, or drew you to this present role? One of the biggest things is that my former CMO from Oppenheimer Funds had become the CMO at American Century, um, and I adore him. So um, so that was a biggie. Uh, but the but the second thing, and this is related to to the, the company and something that you mentioned um, early on in, in the call, is that um, they have a really unique ownership structure. So it's it's privately owned, um, uh, just over forty percent of which is by um, the Stower Institute for Medical Research, um, and this is um, a foundation or a or a medical research foundation that was started by our founder um, a few years back um, while he was um, obviously you know still alive, but when he when he passed away, um, he ended up giving his portion of American Century to this foundation, um, which makes it possible for 550 plus scientists to work to find cures for uh, gene-based diseases without having to do any grant writing or anything like that. The funding is there. And so, so over 40% of our profits go, go to, uh, to sustain that um, year after year, which is just... Um, it's 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 incredible to be to be working, um, you know, within fi- financial services that's sort of known for being, I guess, more um, of a of, of a, a kind of a callous industry, if you will. Um, but to know that what we're what we're doing is um, is helping, uh, you know, potentially save lives is, is pretty incredible. Yeah, I mean, that's pretty mind blowing. Um, and I think it just uh, is worth digging into a little bit more how unique that is. So basically, you're saying that 40% of you know a fairly large investment firm's profits every year are going going straight into genetic research. It really takes this idea of like ESG investing um, that a lot of people are saying, you know, oh, we do this and we do that for social good and this for social good. Is it's really you know taking it to the next level and and really walking the walk. Uh, it's very impressive. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think what it provides for us as employees is just a different form of motivation. Um, so, you know, even when you're having a bad day, uh, a lot of us refer to it as a reset button. Um, it's like, Hey, look at what we're doing. There's a reason why we're doing this. That's bigger than all of us. And it's a pretty incredible feeling. And how much, uh, I guess hitting that reset button, how much connection is there between the employees, um, at the foundation and the employees, uh, at the firm, as far as, is there a feedback loop as far as, Hey, this is what we've accomplished, you know, this month, this quarter, this year, these are the gains that we're making um, on the research side of things. And it's because of the work that you guys are doing. Is that does that feedback loop exist? Absolutely. I mean, I've, I've only been at the firm since August. Um, and so we've had we have monthly town halls, um, which they started once the pandemic hit just to keep us as close together as possible. But um, in one of those three, we had, um, you know, one of the head scientists come and talk to all of us about everything that's happening right now. Um, and, you know, he got he was he was fantastic. He got into a level of granularity. I think some of us sort of it was it was mind boggling. But listening to him was just fascinating. <laughs> um, and to and to and to be in a conversation like that in a town hall at an asset management firm um, for me was just it felt great. And we've got um, we've got Stowers Institute uh, uh, employees, if you will, on our board. So they're they're obviously they're an owner, right? So they're very, very involved in our business. Um, and that feedback loop is is really, really strong. Does that impact or that ownership impact 
the business operations as far as what the the firm is investing in, what what funds it's supporting and things along those lines? Um, you know, I I don't have specifics on that. Um, we have just recently launched a couple of new impact funds, um, which I have to believe were inspired in part by that relationship. Um, so I'd say it's not as direct a tie as maybe you would think. Um, but ESG is certainly um, an area that's becoming uh, more and more important to the industry and certainly, certainly to us, especially globally. I mean, um, it's something near and dear to our hearts, but it's also something, thankfully, that clients are demanding as well. Taking a step back then and, and thinking about your role as the head of brand, um, you're the head of a very interesting brand that has a very interesting story. How do you view your role in, in taking that story to, to the world? Um, how are the, some of the, uh, the methods that you're, you're doing that? Um, and you know, personally, like for yourself, like, what is the goal that you're looking to achieve in your, in your role as, as head of such an interesting brand? I think it's an incredible story that very, very few people know. I haven't, I haven't, I haven't seen the research, and we haven't done the research yet to know like how many of our clients are actually aware of this relationship. Um, it's something until recently we've been rather quiet about. I think uh, deliberately because um, you know it's not something that we want to sort of just throw around uh, cavalierly at all. Um, the reason why it was started was not to drive business. Um, the reason why Stowers started this, um, this medical research foundation was to help find a cure for cancer after he and his wife, um, and I believe their daughter had, um, had, had gotten and fought cancer. So it's very, very near and dear. And so sort of intertwining that with business can feel uncomfortable, uh, what is so powerful to me, though, is going back to that motivation that it is it's just you have a different kind of employee who works at the firm who is doing what they're doing for for a bigger reason and therefore, um, you know, working harder at it, I think, um, because they know it's it's not just something that's going into their pockets or their clients pockets, but ultimately it's something that um, that's helping the world. So from a brand perspective, you know, I, I don't, I don't know that we've done, I, I think we've, um, we've danced around this a bit, trying to figure out a way to incorporate it in that doesn't feel self-serving, but it, that feels very, very genuine. Um, and that's one of the things that I'm in the process of, of starting to uncover is how do we talk about it? How do we leverage in a way, in a way that feels good for all of us? And I think the one interesting thing that COVID has shown, um, and we've seen this with with many of our clients, especially as it relates to, to content, is that those brands that had a strong brand and had a strong brand story and brand voice and the content machine um, in place have fared much better uh, during COVID because then they've been able to connect with consumers and their audience in, in very meaningful ways. And I think that in many ways, um, the audience, especially in the financial services world, uh, was clamoring for more of this kind of connection, um, which is an odd thing to think about. Um, and it seems like you're sitting on a, a, a gold mine, it's probably not the right term to use, but an amazing opportunity to take this story 
and match it with an audience desire right now, which is they want to feel good about the choices that they're making, whether they're out buying soap or whether they're figuring out what investments they're going to be making. They want to have those greater connections and feel like they're moving things towards a greater good. And you have such an amazing opportunity right now, I think, to, to capitalize on that. Talk to us a little bit about your team, how it's structured, um, and if you can, some of the things that you're looking to do in the, in the near term to, to start getting this message out. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, my when when Eric, uh, the my CMO, came to the firm, it was about a year ago. The marketing department had been decentralized for a number of years. So the first thing that he did um, was centralize it, which just gives marketing, um, you know, a bigger seat at the at the table in discussing, um, you know, strategy and and way forward, which I think was was great in paving the way for, um, you know, a, a brand hire. I'm the first brand hire that the firm has made in the past 12 years. Um, I'm, I'm, the, I'm, the only, I'm the only brand hire. Um, I do have a sizable <laughs> department, um, and that is um, the creative, internal creative services team, video, events, you know, all of whom obviously are, are, are creating content on a regular basis. But it was... Um, I would say, you know, coming from requests coming from different departments rather than marketing really thinking about, um, okay, what is our marketing strategy? How can we centralize that? How can we make that a bigger force? How can we talk about what is the outcome that we're looking for, not just the activities that we're doing? Um, and so that's that's the sort of thing that I'm doing is, is trying to tie everything together. My ultimate goal is tying everything together so that we're speaking in one voice. And it doesn't mean that we're hammering home the same thing day in and day out. Um, the, the idea is to be able to talk about a lot of different wonderful things that we're doing as a firm, be it an ESG, be it having to do with Stowers, be it having to, to do with our funds, but to talk about all of those things in a, in a really consistent manner so that you're ultimately you know, delivering kind of one message to the audience. So that is my ultimate goal. Uh, you know, it, these things take, these things take time. They're not easy. Ultimately they look easy. You know, once you've seen it and unveiled, it, it's like, Ooh, well, that's so <laughs> simple. That made a lot of sense. But it's, as we all know, it's really, really hard to get there. It takes a lot of work. Yeah. A hundred percent. And as far as, uh, the role of, of content within your, your brand machine that you're building, what are some of the, uh, content types or distribution channels or, or methods that you've used thus far and in, in, in what has worked, what hasn't worked? And, and more importantly, where do you want to start moving um, in the future from a content perspective? So this role is a little bit different than the roles I've held in the past in that like at Oppenheimer Funds, um, I was leading uh, media and creative. We had a sizable um, media investment. Um, that is, that's not the case here at American Century um, yet. Uh, so, so media planning and strategy is done by a separate team. Uh, that that team sort of handles the advertising. It's much more vertical in nature, um, mm -hmm. tied to the mostly to the intermediary um, business. Some institutional, some some retail. But what I'm working on right now is more of uh, sort of internal rallying. And getting people involved in conversations about where we want to go from a firm standpoint, what do we want to own, what do we want to sort of attach ourselves to, and bringing a language around those things that feels fresh and new and credible. So, 
So mm-hmm. that is in in the early early days. That is that is what I am looking at, and ultimately that should affect any piece of content that we that we send out. And I think when people hear content, they typically think of like articles and blogs and stuff like that. I mean, I, when I think of content, I think of any piece of communication that's developed that has you know the intention of driving an action or, or driving an engagement. So that might be a blog post mm-hmm. or an article, or it might be a brochure, or it could be a video, or it could be an ad. Um, and, I, and I'm touching all of those things um, in a lot of different ways. Um, but it's, it's a slightly different position than I've held in the past. And I'm really enjoying it. I mean, I feel like despite the fact that I sit in my living room all day and I've never met any of these people except for like two <laughs> people I knew in, in past lives, I feel closer to them than, um, than I felt in other roles having been, you know, side by side. And I, it's, it's interesting. I don't, I don't know if it's because everyone's sort of on a level playing field. And, um, I feel like meeting times are, um, genuinely respected. So when, you know, you're done, you're done and you go on to the next and, um, but it's allowed me to have really fruitful conversations with folks at all level of levels of the organization. And, and it's a, it's it's not a tiny firm by any standpoint. I mean, it's it's a fairly robust, large firm. There are about thirteen hundred of us, and I've certainly not met every thirteen, you know, not thirteen hundred employees. But I feel like I've met a lot of people at a lot of different levels who have a genuine interest in in what it is that I'm trying to do. So that feels really good, and it's exciting. Yeah, it it seems like part of your job is almost employee communications, or a big part of your job is employee communications and getting them rallied around. A common cause, and then once you have that groundwork and foundation laid, you can then take that and, and push it out to the rest of the world, um, which will lead to a nice cohesive message, hopefully. Yeah, and I, you know, I, I work really closely with our corporate communications team, who's ultimately, you know, in charge of all that stuff. But I couldn't agree with you more. I think um, that's often something that companies just overlook is the importance of employee communication and making sure that everyone feels not only um, on on board with it, but feels excited about it and kind of wants to get behind it. There's nothing more powerful than that. Talk to us a little bit about um, uh, the, the, the future, uh, for lack of a better term. As you look into the next six to, to 12 months, what are some of the trends that you think are going to continue to evolve or kind of reveal themselves that you want to capitalize on? Uh, purpose is a big one. And I feel like it, We've heard it and have been hearing it for 10 years and it still seems to be the, you know, the, the meeting to the, the, um, conference topic of, of the year for, for lots of different entities. Um, but I, I think it's because it's so important. I mean, especially in a, in a world where there are mergers and acquisitions and, you know, especially in the asset management world. Um, you know, there are fewer and fewer asset managers, uh, because, because of the, the murders and the acquisitions. And if, if you, if you can't, if you don't have a stake in the ground about who you are and how that's different and why you exist, um, you know, you're at risk of, of, um, you know, of being sort of overlooked for, for the next one. Cause ultimately it's stories that people like to hear, whether those people are a retail investor or it's an institutional investor. It, it, it really doesn't matter. They're all people at heart. And, and stories do do a lot to to convince them uh, where they should go. So I I think that's one. Um, I think another one, and it's related to it, is about sustainability and ESG, um, and mm-hmm. those firms that are getting ahead of that. Um, 
from a, not just from a, obviously from a messaging standpoint, for, but truly from a business standpoint, recognizing it as something that's just going to continue to grow in popularity. And the, the pandemic, frankly, has probably um, even accelerated that. Um, so I think that's mm-hmm. the second one. And then, and then the third that I would just, you know, point out is, is data. Um, and it, it's frankly not my wheelhouse, but it is so important. Uh, it's important to make sure that the decisions you're making uh, are the right ones and that there's there's sort of a foundation behind them. It's also, I mean, from mm-hmm. my perspective, it's the way that I sell things in to my senior management. Um, if I don't have the data to do it, uh, it just comes down to opinion. And sometimes opinion's right and sometimes it's wrong. Um, but it's it's a lot easier to to sell something in when you've got um, you've got the numbers to back it up. So we're investing a lot um, from a data in, uh, infrastructure standpoint um, at American Century, mm-hmm. as, as I, I'm sure a lot of other asset management firms are doing as well. And I want to go back to that, that point number one, where you're talking about purpose. Uh, it's obviously very impart- important to have that, that, that stake in the ground, as you mentioned. How do you... How do brands stay authentic? Um, and how does that authenticity come through in that purpose? Because I think there are a lot of brands out there today that are saying, oh, well, we have to have purpose and we have to put you know, our, our point of view out there. But I think there's always this fear that they're going to come through as feeling like inauthentic or um, almost a little bit of um, uh, uh, imposter syndrome in a way at, at a brand level where y- you do have to try to walk the walk, but you can't always do everything. What are some of the things that brands can do to ensure that authenticity? Um, and then, you know, specifically at American Century, what are some of the things that you're thinking about to, to keep that uh, authenticity within that brand messaging? I mean, it comes down to credibility of message. I mean, that's the biggest thing. I was just um, yesterday, we were um, evaluating some different positioning statements for an initiative that we're, um, that we're undertaking. And I said, look, I've got, you know, four pieces of criteria um, that I want you guys to use when you're evaluating this. And credibility was the first one. Do we have a right to say this? Right. Mm-hmm. And then compelling is another. Is this, is this compelling enough to matter? The third one was, is it, is it big enough? Like, can it actually cover all of the things that we need to cover? And, and that's a big thing. Cause I, I think oftentimes it's like, okay, we're doing purpose over here on this side. And those, that language sounds good. And we can kind of all get behind it. But if you can't relate all of the activities that a firm is doing back to it in some way, shape, or form, then it becomes really hard to continue to sustain it. And so that's where I think a lot of brands fall into a trap where, um, you know, when something happens out in the world and they like quickly put together a social media post that feels good and right, and it's like they get attacked, that that Mm -hmm. doesn't happen when they have an established point of view and purpose that everyone kind of understands, because then it's coming from them as, you know, it's an, it's something that it's expected to come from them. And therefore it's hard to, it's hard to criticize. So I think, I think that's the, that's the key. And it's gotta be difficult because when you make a decision like that, it's not something that it's a weather vane statement that, is going to change the when the wind blows a different direction like you, you you make a decision and you're not stuck with it but you're you're living with it for a while and i'm sure you can iterate and adjust course over time to adapt to what's going on out in the world but it is a big decision to say okay this is the statement that we're going to 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 live behind and i think to your point that 
you know, these brands that do put together a social media post or put together a, a you know, a campaign that doesn't have the underlying credibility is just it's, it's going to fall flat and it's going to get torn apart um, and it's not going to succeed over the long term. Right. I mean, or it's wallpaper, right? It's like it's like so safe that there's no reason for it, um, which I think brands can fall into that trap as well. Um, you know, there for it to make sense to do there, it needs to have, it needs to have a point of view. Um, it needs to have a little bit of teeth. It needs, I mean, I talk about this all the time. It's like, if there isn't anything in here to argue with, then you don't have something that's going to engage anybody. It feels good, feels safe, but it's, it's not ultimately going to get you the attention, um, that you hope for. Yeah. So you're, you're saying there's, there has to be a little bit of, uh, you have to step outside of the comfort zone a little bit in order to be successful when it comes to, to a brand message. Yep. Absolutely. So thinking again, uh, putting your, your futurist hat on, you mentioned, uh, there's three, three things that you, um, want to capitalize over the, the, the coming months. When you think about the, the future of just brand as a whole, um, specifically within financial services, like, do you think that do you think this trend is continu- going to continue where brand purpose is going to become more important in, in, in sustainability and the, the, the having a bigger connection? Do you think that's going to continue or do you think it's a passing phase? I mean, I don't have a crystal ball, right? But I hope it continues because um, it's certainly made from a from a brand standpoint, from a marketing standpoint, it certainly makes things a lot more um, interesting for us. And it gives marketing a reason to be at the table uh, because there's no reason for marketing if you don't believe or there's no reason for brand if you don't believe that it has um, a real role in, in driving business. Um, so I, I have to believe as a brand marketer that it's going to continue. And I'd say there, the, the industry as a whole, I mean, even if you just do a swath of websites, like have really, you know, certainly not everyone, but have upped their game in terms of what they look like and what they sound like from where they were five, 10 years ago. I think there's a recognition that this mm-hmm. stuff really, really matters. Yeah. And hopefully, you know, there's positive business impacts in the short term that ladder up to, to much larger ones down the road. Um, because at the end of the day, you know, Wall Street does have to weigh in and see, hey, what are the results of these types of exercises in order for it to to continue, you know? Yeah. And oftentimes it's hard to sort of divorce that activity from the stuff that comes out of it, because my job, I, I, what I really want to do is make the lives of everyone who is creating anything, whether that's, you know, a salesperson creating a, a presentation or their pitch, or that's, you know, my creative services team developing a brochure or it's a new product. If I can come up with a platform that is truly com- simple and compelling, it makes everyone's lives so much easier because then it all ties back to that. 100%. This has been a, a very insightful conversation. There's definitely some good sound bites in there that I think people will latch onto when they're thinking about brand and the importance of it and, and how to build a team around it. So Wiley, I, I want to thank you um, so much for coming on the show. Um, it's been really interesting and, and, and appreciate you sharing your knowledge with everyone, um, especially after you know just being there for uh, at American Century for not so long. I know you're still getting your feet wet and you're still still figuring out where everything is. Uh, and uh, I, I think that 
I mean, I'm excited to see what you do in the future because I think that it's an amazing story. Um, and I think everyone's going to be very interested in it. So thank you so much for being on the show. Oh, super. Thank you so much, Andrew. And, and thanks to Notch for inviting me. I really appreciate it. It's fun. Great. Thanks so much. Thanks for listening to another episode of Pros and Content. We really hope you enjoyed this conversation with Wiley Kane, the head of brand marketing at American Century Investments. One point that really resonated with us here is Wiley's perspective that internal communications are highly undervalued by corporations. As she noted, a lot of organizations overlook the power of making sure everyone within the company feels involved and excited with what they're doing. Remember to rate, review, and subscribe. And if you have any suggestions or feedback, you can find me at ray at notch.com. Visit us at prosandcontent.co to find more amazing content about, well, content. And tune in next time.